We come back to um, the Gospel of God, Romans chapter 13. I think that's one of the most important chapters in our, in our Bible about how to live as a Christian. Sometimes we read um, chapters 1 to 9 and we love those chapters in Romans, but we tend to not consider the end part of this book. You see, Romans has been telling us time and time again that because you are a Christian, because you are born again, then you, this message must change you. It must change you from the inside first. On the inside, you must be born again. On the inside, you must be changed. And once you're changed on the inside, then your life changes on the outside. You're different in the church. You're beginning to love the people next to you and, and greet the people you haven't seen before because you're in the church. You begin to love other Christians because the change on the inside has happened. You're beginning to be different on the outside. You're beginning to be kind to your enemies. Those who don't like you, you're beginning to pray for them and you begin to be kind to them and you begin to show them some kind of love because you want to show them that you're changed. In fact, the Bible says this about in Romans. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It's not just about what God has done in our hearts. That's wonderful. He has saved us. We have been born again. But we've been born again, raised to life again, so that we might live a new life, a different life. We are changed. That's so important. If your Christianity, listen to me carefully this morning, if your Christianity does not change you on a Monday morning, then your Christianity is worthless. If your Christianity doesn't change you, then it has no value. Whether you come to church on a Sunday morning or not, whether you're here praising God or not, if you're the same wicked, sinful person as you was last before you was a Christian, then your Christianity is totally, utterly worthless. So, Romans chapter 13. The first thing we want to say uh, about this chapter is staying within the law. You know, Paul wants to take a closer look at your new life. You see, many of us, many of you will know that we live in this world. And this world is an enemy against a Christian. This world that we live in, this system that we're living, is hostile towards living as a Christian. Let me explain that to you just a little bit by looking at this uh, passage. Do you know that our police force, the men in blue, do you know that these police officers are working for God. You know, the world in which we live use some of the awful names for police officers. 
You probably heard those names before. We call, people call the police officers the filth. Or maybe they call them pigs. Or the old bill. And we use derogative, horrible names for our men in blue and women in blue. That is the world's attitude. But the Bible says that these men and women, these police officers, actually work for God. Look what the Bible says. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, I'm not saying that all police officers are Christians. I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying that all police officers are honest. I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is this. That God has established law enforcement. God has established the judicial system. All of that has been established by God. In fact, the devil would rather have no law and no judgment because he likes chaos. But God has established the police force, law enforcement. He's also established the judicial system. What does that mean for you and me? Well, as a born-again Christian, because we've understood the book of Romans, because we've read these verses, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Because we understand those major truths in Romans, we must be subject to the law. The Bible says, they are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary To submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. You know, some Christians think that if they speed, God will protect them. If they park illegally, then God will somehow make the traffic wardens blind that they will not see their car. That if they steal something, the prayer is, Lord, don't let me get caught. This is not living the gospel out. Driving and parking and speeding and and doing all these things, this is not living as a Christian. Because the Bible, uh, that one verse I, I want to mention, for the one in authority is God's servant, To do you good. That's what he's there for. To do you good. To protect you. To look after you. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants. Agents of wrath. To bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Now if you do not obey the law, you will be punished. And although that is bad enough, your testimony will be ruined. And it also will hinder you for getting ready for the return of Christ. 
If you break the law, not only will you be punished, not only will you go to prison or, 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 or face some kind of penalty or, or some kind of uh, a fine, but if you break the law, you begin to be hindered from getting ready. You see, as a Christian, the Bible says you should be getting ready, not spending your time in the law courts, not spending your time in police cells, not spending your time in prison. You should be spending your time in getting ready for the greatest event that is ever going to take place on this earth. Look what the Romans 13, we're going to stay in Romans 13, but look what it says at the bottom of, um, of in verse 11. And do this, understand the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. What is he saying is this. Our salvation. I don't know when you got saved. I became a Christian when I was 12 years old. That was nearly 40 years ago. Those of you who do the maths can work out how old I am. Forty years ago, I became a Christian in a church in Ilford Lane. But when I became a Christian those 40 years ago, Jesus Christ coming again is nearer now than it was 40 years ago. Now, I don't know about some of you. Maybe you become a Christian 18 months ago. Maybe some of you are here, you became a Christian three years ago, or maybe nine years ago. But whatever time you became a believer, whatever time you became a Christian, the coming of Jesus Christ is nearer now than the eight years ago when you became first believed. And so therefore, instead of getting wrapped up with disobeying the law, instead of getting wrapped up with breaking the law, instead of spending time in court and in prison and in doing things that is against the law, you and I should be spending time in getting ready for Christ's return. And that's what this chapter is all about. This chapter is telling you, I mean, we've got two other things after this, but this chapter is saying to you, get ready. Get ready. Stop slumbering. Stop sleeping. Stop going about drowsy. Get ready because Christ is coming. There's a new drug on the streets. I saw a paper in, uh, recently over in Manchester. Some kind of skunk, some kind of drug that the people are smoking now. So bad that it makes people look and act like zombies. They're awake, they're walking around, but they look half dead. And what this Bible is saying, what Romans 13 is saying, wake up, wake up, because Christ is coming again. Don't get involved in breaking the law. They are God's servants, they're working for God, they're there to do you good, but therefore make sure you yourself honour and respect what is put around you. That's what he says in the first few verses. Some of us, if we knew that, if we begin to understand and believe what the Bible says about how you should live as a Christian, then we will start living differently. So staying within the law, number one. The second thing is this. Staying debt free. Staying debt free. 
Now, Paul moves away from dealing with the law to dealing with handling money. Put your hands up if you like paying taxes. Anybody like paying taxes? I see all your hands rising up so quickly. It's unbelievable. Put your hands up if you love paying taxes. There's inheritance tax. There's the council tax. There's the road tax. There's VAT. There's, list goes on, there's fuel tax. There's tax on alcohol. There's tax on, there's, there's tax everywhere. Nobody likes paying taxes. Taxes everywhere. And if we can get out of paying taxes, we all won't ever pay a single penny. But the Bible has something to say about paying taxes. Look what it says. This is also why you pay taxes. I can see some of you saying, oh, I don't like this Bible. Why can't it just tell me I can leave taxes right out of my list? But this is what the Bible says, right? This is why you pay taxes. For authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. But it's not just about paying taxes. This is really about being debt free. You see, the world in which we live loves debt. It loves it. As soon as you turn 18, you're giving credit cards like hotcakes. You know, giving credit cards. Not only that, you're told that you, you know it's good to have you know to, to have credit. It's good to have things on on tick. It's good to have um, things that you can't really afford yet. In fact, you can have it now and pay three years down the line. Even though the furniture is falling apart, you still got to pay three years down the line. That is the world in which we now live. You know, when Kim and I first moved into our house from a flat. We moved in and we had no carpet on the floor for three years. And there was no central heating in our house. We had to save. That's a strange word, isn't it, for young people today? We had to save in order to get the certain thing that we needed to get hold of. It was difficult. But our world in which we live loves to and wants to keep you in debt. Because when it keeps you in debt, you're constantly thinking... How can I get that first hundred? Where can I get that hundred pound from? Who can I borrow money from? How much money do I, how many hours do I need to work in order to, to get that debt cleared? Is that my car being removed from my driveway by that machine coming from my vehicle? Who's knocking on my door? Do I need to hide under a table? Is it debt collectors? And because these things come around us and they're real, they're real issues. Some of us have faced those issues. Once they come around us, guess what? We give our time to worrying about our debt and not worrying about what's going to come. The greatest event in history. We're worried about paying this man and paying that woman and paying off that credit card and paying for that vehicle and we're constantly worried about making sure we get enough money and we do not prepare ourselves for the greatest event as we go back to that verse again understand the present time 
The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up from the, the mess and the confusion that you're in. Looking at your money, looking at your debt. Wake up and realize that your salvation is nearer now. Jesus Christ is coming nearer in this time than he would be five years down the line. He's coming again. Are you ready for him? Or are you too caught up with debt? Are you too caught up with worrying about paying off credit cards that you shouldn't really have had, really? Buying things you don't really need. Getting the more designer clothes, getting a, 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 a newer car, getting you know, yourself wrapped up with financial burdens. So much so that you're being tied to this world. That when Jesus Christ comes again, you're not ready. You're not transformed. You're not changed. The Bible has the practical things to say about how you should conduct your life. Because you are changed from the inside. Because you are born again. Because Christ has given you a new life. Your outward actions need to be different. Not like the world being caught up in debt. Not like the world breaking the law and running around after, you know, and, and, and doing things that is crazy, that the police are searching you down. Not doing these things anymore. That's the old life. The new life is that you are now honoring Christ. Because he's coming again. The world loves debt. But I want to tell you this morning, God wants you to be free from debt, concentrating on living a Christian life. Look what the Romans says. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Let us put that, let's work on putting that down. Let my work in how much money we can get in the bank. Let my work in how much debt we can clear. Let's work on getting our lives right. That's what he's saying here. This is the priority. This is the thing that you should be striving for. Let us work in our life right. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him be your covering. Let him be your contentment. Let him be the one that you take all your joy and satisfaction in. Let him be the alpha and the omega in your life. Clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. Sadly, we live in a day when our world, because our world is against a Christian, it wants to clothe you with debt. And have you worried? Have you tied down? Have you confused with debt? No. Clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. Let's bring this sermon to a close with my third and final point. So, you know, I want to stay in the law. I want to stay debt free. Also, we want to stay staying in love. Now, we've already spoken, and I've already spoken in the past few weeks about loving one another within the church. I've already spoken about that. I even spoke about um, being good to your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. I've already spoken about that. But now Paul takes one step further. He says that we should love our neighbour. What he says. 
the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourselves. Do you remember that very sad sitcom that used to be on TV? Love Thy Neighbour. About um, a white couple living next door to this black couple. And the white guy hated the black guy. And the black guy hated the white guy. That was in the seven, I can't understand, a more racist program on TV. But that's what it was. Love thy neighbor. You've got to be a certain age to know what I'm talking about. It should have been called hate thy neighbor. That's what it should have been called. But it wasn't called that. But God gave ten commandments in the Old Testament. The first three is how we ought to relate to God. How we should have a relationship with God. That's the first three commandments. The next seven is how we should relate to people outside. And Paul mentioned some of them. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And he just mentioned some of those commandments right there. Now I've heard some Christians say things like, well... I'm not an Old Testament Christian. I'm a New Testament Christian. Whatever that means. I'm not under the Old Covenant, they say. I'm under the New Covenant. The Old Ten Commandments, well, that's a, that's a done thing. That's for the Old Testament Christian. But me, I'm under grace. I don't need to obey the Ten Commandments. Well, I'm telling you this. You do. Because you have been born again on the inside. Because God has done a work in you and changed you on the inside. What comes out should be in line with God's commands. And so we read Jesus, we read in Ephesians these words. Making the most of every opportunity. When you are outside in your neighborhood, you need to make the most of every opportunity because you're a Christian. You are to love your neighbor even though he's an atheist. You are to love your neighbor even though he's a pagan. You are to love your neighbor even though he is of a different religion than you. You are to love your neighbor. Why? Because as you begin to show love to those around you, you reflect the love of Christ. I like what Jesus says. Jesus says this. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before others. That they may see what? They see your faith? No. That they might see that you go to church? No. But that they may see your good works. 
You are not stealing. You're not coveting. You're not lying. You're not going behind their backs. You are living a life that shows good works. Not that good works will save you, but because you're changed inside, because you're born again, outward will show something different. And as you show something different, people will look at you and say, what's different about you? Why are you loving? Why are you so concerned about obeying the law? Why are you so kind to that police officer? He's, he's, he's a pig, isn't he? He's a filth. No, he's not. He's, he's doing his job. He's, he's working for God. And because we are changed, we realize that we're changed so that we can work on our Christian life. Work on getting rid of the, 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 the filth that we've added on over the years, working in cleansing ourselves from the sin. Why? Because the day is coming, my dear friends, and I'm going to preach it, when Jesus Christ will come again. He said it himself. He told his disciples and told them clearly that the same, in fact, I think it was the angels talking to the disciples. They said to the disciples, you see this Jesus, the same one who's gone into heaven, they said to them. The same one who's gone will come again in the same manner. Get ready. Wake up. Make sure your life is working towards sorting yourself out, putting yourself in line for the Christ who will come again and judge you. That's what the message of Romans 13 is all about. It's not just about paying taxes. It's not just about obeying the law. It's not just about loving your neighbor. It's doing all these things for the biggest event in all of history. And that is the return of Christ. God wants you to live out your Christian faith in such a way that it's pleasing to you. Now, I have to add this. You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot obey the law in your own strength. You cannot um, be debt free in your own. You cannot do anything in your own strength. You have to be filled with the spirit of the living God. So you may be sitting there saying, how can I do these things? I can't. I agree with you. You can't. But once you begin to pray, once you begin to ask the Lord to come in and fill me, fill me, fill me, get rid of the filth, get rid of the wrong desires, get rid of the things that I do wrong, change my, my, my likes into the things that you like. Change my loves into the thing that you love. Lord, I used to love fancy clothes and fancy cars and fancy houses. Lord, help me to love the things you love. Change me, oh God. That should be your prayer. And as God begins to change you and make you more like him, then men and women will turn around and say, why are you so different? What have you got that I haven't? And the only answer to that question is this. Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you have given us instruction 
to live as a Christian. You haven't just told us to believe, but you also told us how to live. And for that we give you praise, O oh God. And we thank you with all our hearts that Jesus Christ, that he's going to come in a cloud of glory. And every eye will see him. Every knee will bow before him. Every tongue, every single tongue. And we know, Lord, that the tongues today do not confess him, do not praise him. Many tongues today are cursing him. But we know that a day will come when every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. So many of us here today have already had that transformation already. Thank you that you've already worked in our hearts. But Lord, there's still others, even in this room, who need to come to a realization who you really are. So I'm praying for them this morning. Pray that you will take the chains off of their lives. Tell the devil to get their hands off of that man, off of that woman, for they belong to you. Set them free from the pull of the world. Release them from that sinful nature. And bring them home, we pray. And we ask all these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.